Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Amy, and I'm the executive pastor here. I'm also having such a terrible week with this pollen, so hopefully that's the last of, of my throat misbehaving, but we'll see. Uh, today is Ascension Sunday. So it's the day that we remember how 40 days after his resurrection, 43 days after the crucifixion, if you want to count numbers, Jesus went away. All of today's scriptures tell that story, and they all say it a little bit differently. That reading from Daniel talks about the Ancient One coming with the clouds of heaven. And in that story, he's coming to heaven, not coming to earth. And then Psalm 47 says that God has gone up. Acts tells us that Jesus was taken up. And Luke tells us he was carried up. Whatever way they say it, the scriptures all agree, Jesus is not here. Okay, so Jesus is not here, and that begs the question, where is Jesus? So that's actually a question I'm going to ask all of you right now, whether on Zoom or here under the canopies. Where is Jesus now? Where is Jesus's body now? If you have an answer, feel free to just call it out. In heaven? Yeah, good. Any other answers? In the Eucharist. Excellent. I expected no less, Becky. Anything else anyone want to throw out there? Okay, well, not surprisingly, both of those answers and more are right. But ascension is the story of how Jesus is both with us and not with us. He's both present and absent. He's in heaven, but in a different way. And he's still here, but in a different way. And we're going to talk about both of those ways today, although I'm not actually going to get to the Eucharist, so I'm really glad that Becky yelled that out. And kids, today's talk about the Ascension, it goes like right to the edge of what we can picture and what our words can describe. It really requires a level of imagination that most of us grown-ups are not very good at. So I want to tap into the unique gift that you guys have and ask you to use your imaginations this morning, whether you want to draw or write or put chalk on the ground, to just help us imagine where Jesus is now that he's ascended to heaven. So what does it mean for us that Jesus's body is in heaven? Both Luke and Acts describe Jesus as being taken away from earth in his physical body. He doesn't leave his body behind when he's taken up. There's no pile of skin and bones left on the ground. Jesus is still forever, now and always, the incarnate Son of God. He's a human body in heaven. And his body is still made of matter. It still moves through time and space, like we heard in the story. But somehow it has all been transformed so that now it can also exist outside of time and matter and space in that place where God dwells. And that means that this ascension of Jesus at the same time is this cosmic mystical thing and this really earthy, bodily, material thing. 
It's getting into that imperishable body that David preached about a couple weeks ago from 1 Corinthians 15. That transfigured body that will come in the blink of an eye at the trumpet sound. And so the ascension is when Jesus takes that body into heaven. He takes humanity into heaven. And that means that we, in our humanity, somehow are there with him. Paul talks about the ascension in this way in Colossians. He says, you've been raised with Christ, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Jesus is now in heaven reigning over all matter, all creation. He's making all things new. He's healing that ancient rift between God and people, between creator and creation, between heaven and earth. Everything that was undone at the fall is being reversed. And once again, Jesus is getting creation ready to be the dwelling place of God. And the fact that he's there in a body, in flesh and blood and bones and teeth, tells us that he's making the new creation out of the old one. He's making our heavenly bodies out of our earthly ones. C.S. Lewis describes the ascension like this. This is the picture, not of unmaking, but of remaking. The old field of space, time, matter, the senses, it's being weeded, dug, sown for a new crop. We might be tired of that old field, but God is not. And so that means that for us, heaven is not some transcendent, disembodied, spiritual state of being. It's not a place where we stop being human. It's a place where we become more fully human, more fully ourselves, more fully alive, We become humans as they were always meant to be. And it all starts with the ascension, with this human body in the realm of God. But if Jesus' physical body is with God in heaven, that means it's not here on earth. In this very real way, Jesus is now absent. He's gone. And yet Jesus promises to be present on earth in a different way. Listen again to this exchange between Jesus and the disciples from Acts chapter 1, what Jeff read a few minutes ago. It says, The disciples gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is promising them a different kind of presence. He's going to take humanity into heaven, and he's going to pour out his spirit onto humanity. Now Jesus' people will be his physical presence here on earth. Now they will be his body. They will be his witnesses the ones announcing the reign of God. Suddenly, Jesus' presence on earth isn't limited by the constraints of a human body. 
He is spiritually with and in all his people. He is as near to us as our breath. And this new reality tells us how we're to live now in light of the ascension. He says we're supposed to be witnesses. The world before and after the ascension pretty much looks the same, but we know something has changed. We need our imaginations to help us remember that. And Jesus' followers are going to be filled with the Spirit. We're going to get to that at Pentecost next week. To help them remember and imagine and bear witness to this different reality. Sin and death and the principalities and powers of this earth have been overthrown in the heavenly places. And the true king is on his throne. He's bringing all creation under his just and loving rule. And heaven and earth are coming back together. And we are witnesses to that. But I want to say, I've heard from a number of you, like double digits number of you, that this whole idea of witnesses is not a pleasant one for you. If you've grown up in certain church traditions, uh, and I, full confession, didn't grow up in the church, so I bypassed some of this baggage. But there is some baggage around this idea of being witnesses. It's something that some of you received from your tradition with a lot of guilt and shame and fear and pressure and resentment built into it. It almost felt manipulative from what I've heard. And so I actually want to pray for all of us right now that Jesus would lift that burden the sense of needing to be that kind of burdensome witness, that he would lift it from us and free us and heal us and reshape our imaginations of what it means to be his witnesses. Because what we see in the early church all through the New Testament doesn't look like guilt and fear and a checklist of things to do. The power of this witnessing comes from the Holy Spirit inside each one of us and inside the church. It doesn't come from pressure and guilt from the outside. And the message of this witness is not a formula. It's really creative and contextualized and adapted to different relationships and cultures and peoples. Everything it encounters, it adjusts itself so that it can tell good news. And it really is good news, news of life and freedom. It's not something that we feel forced or manipulated into telling about. For whatever reason, if that is hard for you to imagine, I think the theologian Dallas Willard has a really helpful way of talking about this idea of what it means to bear witness. He talks about how in all of God's reign, he's given each one of us what he calls a range of will, a little reign of our own, starting with our own bodies, our thoughts, our feelings, our flesh, and extending outward to whatever little corner of the world we happen to rule in. And our task by God's spirit 
is to bring our little kingdom, the range of our will, into alignment with God's kingdom. So right here, everything that our will touches bears witness to this reality that Jesus is crucified, that he's reigning in heaven. And so we live the way Jesus taught us to live, the way the church lives in the pages of the New Testament. We live by the power of God's spirit in us. We love our enemies. We serve one another. We heal. We set people free. We proclaim good news to people on the margins. We use our spiritual gifts to build each other up. And we pray together, your kingdom come, your will be done on my little patch of earth as it is in heaven. And then Dallas Willard says, we begin to merge our little kingdoms with other little kingdoms by loving our neighbors. The boundaries start to kind of overlap. They start to stretch outward and God's heavenly reign starts to spread. His kingdom starts to grow beyond our little familiar Jerusalem all the way to the ends of the earth until Christ is all in all. We bear witness like that. And that's why the response of the disciples to Jesus's ascension is not sadness, it's joy. Jesus is gone, but they and we have this new capacity for the joy of heaven, this new presence of the Holy Spirit. But joy in the Bible is always tinged with longing. It always has this element to it of not yet or how long. And for me, that's actually what the ascension stirs more than anything, this sense of deep longing. Because I look at myself, I look at the ways just this past week, for example, I was bitter and unforgiving and kind of rude to people I love. And then more than that, I look at our world. I look at people I love and I look at the farthest corners of the globe and I just see so much pain. Everything seems so just gut-wrenchingly broken sometimes. And I look to heaven and I see Jesus on his throne, but he feels so absent, so far away. I just want him to bring his kingdom and its fullness now. And that's why I really appreciate that Luke records this question from the disciples, where they say, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And it's kind of easy for us to scoff at the disciples and be like, geez, even after the resurrection, you guys are still asking about this? Like, do you not get it yet? But actually, I really feel that question. I really get where they're coming from because I want that too. Not the restoration of the kingdom of Israel. We have different political agendas, but I want God to topple the earthly powers and set right the world's injustices now. But the really challenging and crazy thing is that God doesn't intend to set things right apart from us. We are part of his mission. We are his body on this earth, and God's spirit dwells within us. 
God is extending his kingdom through this patient, steady, faithful work of being his witnesses on the earth. And so we live in this strange, joyful, longing tension between the absent Jesus and the present Jesus. Well, speaking of joy, next week is Global Week. And I want to invite you to, um, we'll talk about at the announcements, but just as much as your time and your energy allows to participate in as much as you can. I think it's going to be such a good opportunity for us to experience bringing our little kingdoms under the reign of God and experiencing the joy of that starting to trickle outward. And then next Sunday is Pentecost. It's when we will hear the story and celebrate and remember the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to kind of practice Pentecost during the sermon time. We're going to build in what we hope will be a safe space for listening and responding to the Holy Spirit as a community like we see in the book of Acts. And so to prepare us for that, I want to send you out over this next week with three questions. I would love for you to sit with the Holy Spirit with these and then to come next Sunday ready to take a step of courage and um, to speak about what you hear. These questions are also on the blog. But the first one is, do you have a story of a time you've seen the Holy Spirit move powerfully in the past? Sometimes hearing one another's stories helps our imaginations grow for what God might do. Or where are you asking for the Holy Spirit to move right now? Is there an area of particular concern in your life or in the world that you want to share so that we can share this burden and this longing together? And then finally, what do you hear the Holy Spirit saying to the incarnation community, to us today? And for that scripture, images, words, phrases, whatever you hear is welcome. So I'm looking forward to that next week. And now let's pray. Jesus, we look to you ascended to the right hand of God and we give you praise. And we ask that you would reign more in our lives. We ask that you would make us your witnesses. Pray that you would fill us with your spirit, fill us with joy. Amen.